just a moment of stillness that we hear. I feel like I have to start off the message very quiet now. How's everyone doing this morning? We're making it, aren't we? Uh, we're continuing in this series called Rise Above. And this morning, one of the things that we're going to be talking about is rising above apathy. And that's the title of the, the message this morning. And I believe this is just a moment for us as a church, even the things that we're seeing in our world today, to be those that rise above and not get caught in the fray of everything that we see going on here on this earth at our level ground. But we've been talking about how the airplanes, no matter what's going on on the ground, and sometimes there's storms and things that swirl, quite often that airplane can go up and can go over the storm and be looking down upon it. And you see things from a different vantage point when you're up there. And so we, we, what we've been talking about with Rise Above is exactly that, getting above the fray of the things that we're seeing in our world and being the church that God has called us to be and being the people of God that God has called us to be. Now, I don't know if you heard about this new app, but here's how it works. Your friend is moving on Saturday. Are you free to help? The real answer is yes. The honest answer is no, because you're a human being and not a forklift. And also because you guys really aren't that close, but you have a truck, right? <laughs> if you only had something else planned, it would be easier to say no, wouldn't it? So there's this app called Got This Thing, and it does just that. The web app uses your phone location, to populate your Google Calendar with local stuff that's happening, pulled from a public event information on sites like Eventbrite and other things. So you click on the Get Busy button, and in an instant, your blank schedule turns into con a confetti of things to do that you have scheduled. So I'm sorry, I can't do it. Look at my calendar. It's filled up. Nat Towson, a 29-year-old comedian from Manhattan, conceived the idea in May during a, a comedy event where they called it the Hack Day. So the three-day event paired developers and comics together to build humorous apps. Towson and his team spent about two days coding and preparing for the final pitch. They were ultimately crowned the grand prize winner for this year's festival. More than 1,000 people from 10 different countries have downloaded this, and I'm sure it's much more by now. But Towson hopes to pull different events in, even from Facebook. So this app has the real potential as an event aggregation and discovery tool. So if you're just looking for events to do, you can fill up your calendar with those things. But even more important, it's for people who want to avoid doing things. You fill up your schedule, and you have a reason. You have your excuse. Now, we all know that life can be busy, and busyness just keeps us going continuously. But my question is, not stating the fact that we're, many of us are very busy, but my question is, is this what God intended for his followers? Is this, is, what he, if, is this what he wants for his believers? Or is the busyness wearing our passion down and keeping us living below the standard that God has set for our lives? Are we living at mediocrity or are we rising above? That's the question we're going to deal with this morning. Rise above apathy. Now, I want to make sure that I clearly define what apathy is first so that we know what we're talking about when we use that term. It's defined as a lack of interest, 
a lack of enthusiasm or concern. It's a loss of passion. It's going through the motions. How many of you have a morning routine? Just things you do every morning as you get up and you get moving. There's things that I can do without even thinking. And if I actually think about it, I have to go back and go, did I do that? I'm not sure. Now, this is extremely important when it comes to deodorant. You want to be sure that you didn't just go through the motions and forget somehow. And sometimes when you think back, you're like, I don't, you, because you just do it without thinking. You have to think back, no, I don't remember doing it, but I'm hoping I did. Right, so I, all routines aren't bad. And in fact, I really encourage this one in particular for each of you. But what if God wants to disrupt your routine? What if God is calling his church to do something about the world that we live in today? Instead of watching and seeing the things and being negative, instead of seeing everything and saying it's just all going to hell in a handbasket, maybe God is calling you to do something about it. Isn't that what Jesus did when he came? He disrupted the status quo. He changed everything. The world was turned upside down when Jesus Christ entered the scene. Today we're going to learn from a man who was pretty content with his life. When he was younger, he felt he had this call and purpose, and he felt like he had a reason for being. But that was a long time ago in a faraway land, and now he has lost his passion. He found that his routine really worked for him. Now he was living the good life as a simple shepherd in the quiet land and only his sheep to tend to. How do we rise above apathy? The first thing we're going to learn from this person, we're going to read about him in just a moment, is number one, we allow God to disrupt our routine. Allow God to disrupt your routine. Exodus chapter 3, if you want to follow along with me. This is from the New Living Translation, and this is about a man named Moses. It says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, replied Moses. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. You see, one day in the middle of his routine... Something disrupted the status quo of going through the motions, of shepherding, doing the same things day in and day out. Something out of the ordinary happened. And in the distance, he saw a bush burning, but it wasn't spreading like, like the fires you would typically see when you see the forest fires that happen in Arizona and places like that where there's all that dry brush that continues to burn. It didn't spread like that. It stayed contained to this tree, which is very abnormal. The fire didn't go out. It seemed to be fueled by something. And Moses had to stop what he was doing to see what was going on. 
so he could get a closer look. Do you see what he did? He allowed God to disrupt his routine. He sensed that he needed to be closer to this burning fire, closer to where the action is. Hear this this morning. Your desert often becomes the place of your calling. Your desert often becomes the place of your calling. And the place of your calling becomes holy ground for you, protected territory. When you meet God to receive your call, the Bible says that it's sure. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. The King James Version would, would have read irrevocable, can't be called back. So here we have this man, and he has to get closer to where the action is, closer to what he sees as maybe a potential problem if this fire isn't put out. Closer because he senses he needs to be there right near it. There's another man who allowed God to disrupt his routine, and we know many throughout history. But this man was David Wilkerson. He's the founder of Teen Challenge, and he was just a pastor of a small rural church in Pennsylvania. He was in his study one day reading Life magazine, and his eyes caught the picture of seven young boys who were on trial for murder in New York. He saw the hatred and the despair in their eyes, and he tried to pray, but he couldn't get his mind off these young boys, and they just continued to be etched in his brain. Certainly God wouldn't call this country pastor who knew nothing about city life and nothing about gang life to reach these guys. Somebody in New York can do that, right? Isn't there somebody that knows these guys that have lived their life that can minister to them to reach them? Why would he call this country pastor from Pennsylvania? But he sensed God was sending him to New York City to help. But why him? When you read the rest of the story of, of, of his obedience in a book called The Cross and the Switchblade, I'm not going to go through every detail, but it's a book that details how God spoke to him he sensed God calling him to something. There was a fire burning in New York City that he had to go to, that he had to be nearer to, simply because he heard, heard God's voice and sensed that he was supposed to do something about it. Here was this country preacher trying to minister to gangs, and it turned into his life's work to help people break free of addictions through a program we now call Teen Challenge. Everything in accomplished in Christian history was a result of people who allowed God to disrupt the status quo. You think of the courage of the early church to withstand great persecution, many being beheaded or burned alive because of their faith. You think of the protection of, uh, protection of the doctrine against false teaching, which in the early church there was a lot of false teaching that was being passed around. You think of the Reformation. You think of the numerous awakenings and revivals that we've experienced throughout our nation's history and around the world. Think about organizations like the Salvation Army, the establishment of hospitals and care centers all over the world, orphanages, ministries like World Vision and Samaritan's Purse, Teen Challenge, the Assemblies of God. I can literally sit back and list thousands of things that began because one person allowed God to disrupt their routine. What if Moses, 
or David Wilkerson and many other of the great men and women of history have the got this, got this thing app. They had this on their, on their phone and they said, sorry, God, I'm, I'm too busy. Look at my schedule. Look at my calendar. There's no way I can squeeze it in. But if we're honest with ourselves, we have that app. Maybe not the actual app, but we give God the same excuses. We're too busy doing less important things in place of the most important things. What routine does God need to disrupt in you? Is there something that he's calling you to do, but you're unwilling to allow him to disrupt your routine? Every great movement of God in history came because people were willing to allow God to disrupt their routine. So how did Moses rise above apathy? He allowed God to disrupt his routine. But what else do we need? What else can we learn from Moses about rising above apathy? Number two, you hear the need. You hear the need. Why? Why do we need to hear the need? We need to be in tune with the needs of people around us. That's where it begins. You see, God made the reasons clear to Moses. Notice this morning in the next passage, the three words God uses, uses to make it clear. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 8, and I have them in bold here on the screen. Then the Lord said to him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. Next screen, I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt until their own fertile land, fertile and spacious land. Notice the three words used by God. I have seen the oppression. See, nothing escapes the vision of God. He sees the oppression. He sees the struggle. He sees the battles. No injustice in this earth gets by him. <laughs> he sees it. He knows it. And he does not turn a blind eye. Scripture is filled with many scenes and many passages of his concern for the poor, for the outcast, for the lonely, for those that need healing, for the widows, for the orphans, for the children. The list goes on and on. He sees it. But not only does he see it, he has heard it. I have heard their cries. He hears the cries of those who are oppressed, those caught in the slavery of addiction, those that feel oppression around them. They are seen and they are heard. An interesting passage here, 1 Corinthians 2.9, says that that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen or no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. See, God sees it, he hears it, he knows it, even if we don't. And it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. We don't know all that God is working. We don't know the circumstance. We don't know the things that he's prepared for us even. We can't see that far ahead. But the Lord has seen and has heard, and he has a plan for those in bondage. 
And the last part, he is aware of their suffering. Other versions will say he is concerned for their suffering. Does God care about these things? About the oppressed? About those who are in bondage to some form of slavery? Yes. He has seen the oppression. oppression. He has heard the cries of the oppressed. And he is aware and concerned for them. Now, many wonder where God has been in all of our nation in this past year, in 2020. I am here to declare the truth to you this morning that, yes, he has seen your oppression. He has heard your cries, and he is aware and concerned for them. But what we don't often recognize is this. God is calling his people to be the solution. God is calling his people to be the solution. You know, it's interesting in this current environment, even the pandemic has become political. Both extremes. One side saying we should all live in fear and do everything we can to protect themselves. It's harmful for businesses, harmful for people's mental health. People are suffering and dying alone needlessly. They're taking away our freedoms. And the other side saying there's no different, this is no different than the flu, and we should just live our lives normally without masks. There are 142,000 deaths and many more family members that have lost loved ones that would choose to differ with your opinion. It was a big deal to them. And I'm not here to push either side on this, because I don't think it should be made political. But maybe both extremes are wrong. Both sides come with information that proves what they want to prove, and much of that is conflicting, and if you've kept up on any of it, you just get more and more confused by the day. But here's what I was challenged with this week in an article that I read, and I posted this on our Faith Life page, if you're following that. But I said there's tough questions that we need to be asking as a church and as followers of Christ. And this is what it says. Do we see all people as subjects of God's love, or only those who share our views and values? Do we spend, and this is the one I want you to hear, do we spend more effort and energy promoting conspiracy theories than we do promoting the gospel? Ouch. Do we spend more effort and energy promoting conspiracy theories than we do promoting the gospel? Does the world look at us and say we demonstrate radical love for the suffering and oppressed, or do they see us as an ambivalent, and aloof. It's a quote from Jerry Ireland in a book or article called Christ Community Crisis, Reflections on the Nature of the Church's Calling. We can find ourselves promoting the conspiracy more than the gospel, or promoting our side more than the gospel. What is more important here, winning an argument or loving people despite what side of the equation they're on? Why waste time arguing your case? You might remember I said at the beginning of all this that God is trying to get the church's attention and Satan's plan is to keep the church distracted about the, what side we're on so that it cannot be changed through this process. We need the change that God is trying to bring through this and let's not get distracted on the side things. 
Let's not get distracted from the things that we see politically going on. Our center is Jesus Christ and him alone. Our center is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our center is God's word. Let's not get distracted on the politics of both sides. Let's continue to focus on what is God calling our church? What is God calling me? What is God calling you to do in this moment, in this season? Like Moses, God is calling his believers to rise above the fray and the argument and promote him, promote the gospel, and hear the need. How do we rise above apathy? You allow God to disrupt your routine. You hear the need. And number three, pretty simple, do something. Exodus 3.10 says, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. But God, I'm not interested in freeing people in bondage, uh, those in addiction or those that are struggling with oppression, because... You know, they may be enslaved to sin, but these sheep are much easier. I'm pretty comfortable. I have my routine. I bring them out to pasture. I do all the things that good shepherds do. They're easier to deal with. And God, I'm just happy staying right here, tending these sheep and stuttering my commands. I would rather be tending sheep than freeing people in Egypt. Because, man, it's a heck of a lot easier. It's what I know. It's my routine. It's how I operate. Now, we may not say those exact words, but Scripture talks about the lost sheep, doesn't it? Many people who would have been content to stay with the 99. These are the ones they know. The sheep they're familiar with. Why leave 99 behind to go after one stray sheep. You already have 99. But that's not the father's heart. He wants the prodigal to return. He wants the lost sheep found. He wants the lost coin searched for and found. He wants you to see what is wrong with the world, something that you can be passionate about. And he is asking you to step out in faith, to do something about it. And I believe he's asking you to allow him to disrupt the routine, to hear the need, and to do something about it. You may need to allow yourself to be distracted for a moment because your burning bush is in the distance. All you need to do is to go toward it and await his instruction. Now, if only God would just make his will clear to us, right? Why does he have to be so muddy about this? Why can't he just be very clear and just tell us what our mission should be and tell us what we should be doing? Then we can go forward boldly and, and with confidence knowing his mission and his call for us. Oh, wait. I think he has been pretty clear about this. Maybe we've just been too thick to listen. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. He has been given authority on hev in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. 
And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Is that clear? Is that calling clear for what we are to be doing as the church of Jesus Christ in this season of our nation and in this season of the world? We are called to go out and do whatever we are passionate about to accomplish the mission that's been set out before us. We don't necessarily need to go deeper. You know, sometimes you have people, I just want to go deeper. I just want to go deeper. I just want to go deeper. Sometimes we just need to cast the net wider. I thought it was pretty interesting, the story of when the, the disciples were out fishing all night. They were fishing out in the deep. And what did they get for their deep fishing? Nothing. As they started to come into the shallow water, Jesus said, cast out your nets right there. And they're thinking, there's no way I'm going to get any fish here in this shallow water. We're experienced fishermen. We know better. But they spread out those nets, and what happened? Those fish filled the boats almost to where they were breaking. Sometimes it's not about going deeper. It's about casting, casting the net wider. What if God is calling his church to do something about the craziness we see in the world right now? And what if he's calling you? This morning, is this your burning bush? Is this your calling in the desert? Is this your holy ground? This morning, pray with me that God would reignite our passion for those who have no hope, for those that are lost, those that are downcast, those that are brokenhearted, those that are prodigals. Can we pray for that today? Can we ask God to begin with us? Can we ask God to fill us to overflowing with his Holy Spirit? Can we ask God to breathe that breath of life back into us? To breathe, O breath of God. Breathe, O breath of God. If those dead bones are in me, breathe, O breath of God. If I'm praying for some dead bones out there in the valley of death right now, breathe, O breath of God. I'm believing you that you're going to take the dead, dry bones and bring life from them. Can we ask God to make a difference through us, to disrupt the status quo, to hear, to do something. This week I had a few opportunities to do just that, and I sometimes where I'm at work, I just kind of get focused on what I'm doing and not really paying attention to things going on around me. But there's someone in our office who's just kind of overwhelmed about life and things going on. I just stopped for a few minutes and said, you know what, can I just pray with you? Sure. Prayed with him. He felt a little bit of a calm right there in that moment. It was just a few minutes. It didn't take long. I don't do that all the time. I don't take hours, just to let you know, Douglas. Uh, I don't take hours to do these kinds of things. Not taking time from the company. <laughs> But just a few minutes to say, you know what, I can pray for you. I don't have silver or gold to give you, <laughs> but what I do have, I can give to you. I can simply take a few moments to pray. Just allow God to disrupt your day, your week. Maybe there's something that God may speak because you're listening. You're looking for the need. And step out in faith and just offer to help someone. Let's all stand this morning as we close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. 
And I pray that we would be challenged in our hearts to not live lives of apathy, to be concerned for the things that we see around us, to be passionate about your word, about your truth, about your gospel, about you being centered. I pray, Father, that you would give divine moments, divine appointments this very week as we begin to listen for the need, as we begin to hear the need, and that we would step out and do something about that. That we'd step out and pray or whatever you may speak to us this week. Let that revolution change us. Let us change so that others also can know your truth and your love and your grace and your forgiveness. Would you do that work in us, Lord Jesus? We're no longer satisfied with just repeating prayers and going through the motions. Let us come into your presence with an excitement about what you're going to do Sunday after Sunday, week after week, Monday through Saturday, all the things that you may do through us, all the opportunities that you may give and help us to be in tune with those and not live lives of apathy. Let it begin right here in Jesus' name. Let it begin with me. Let it begin with us. Do your work in us, Lord God, so that we can be your people that rise above our circumstances, that rise above what's going on in our nation, that rise above pandemics, that rises above racism, that rises above all the struggles and the battles and the addictions and the things that we have going on in our world. And the only reason we can rise above is because our eyes look up to you. You are where the, the hills where you come from is where our help comes from. Lord, we need you now more than ever. Disrupt our routine. Tell us where we need to go. Let there be a burning bush in our lives that we look to and say, okay, that's where God is calling me to, and I need to be there. I need to take off my sandals because I'm on holy ground, because he is calling me to something more than what I am today. Begin with us, Lord. Thank you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read this passage over you this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 29. Just something I'm reading, and some of us, you know, some of you may want to just have your hands out just as a sign of receiving God's word for you this morning. Open hands to receive. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. This morning we pray, Father, to use us let us have open hands, let us have attentive ears to hear your call and to do something about it, to allow you to disrupt our routine. We don't have to be some big important person with a huge education in order to do that. Sometimes it's as simple as offering a prayer. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. This week, 
allow God to disrupt you, to show you need, show you the need, and to do something about it. Amen. Go forth. God bless you.